Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Crushing Depths, a D20 Modern Real Play Podcast. I'm Paul, the GM for this campaign and the showrunner for the LTM Gaming Podcast. This time on The Crushing Depths, I give an extended recap of the story so far, and I make the players give updated status and description and kind of how their characters are feeling thus far into the story, having been normal people or at least in Russ's case, a normal person, pulled out of their normal life into this crazy adventure. They also get some loot, discuss their strategy, and get on their way to where the sidewalk ends. We hope you enjoy. So, we're going to do this a little differently. This is our 12th session, by my count. Seriously? Yes. I blame TJ. He's an asshole. What? (laughs) Just say yes, Paul. I don't get the joke. Just say yes. You don't have to understand. It's not I a joke. Understand. I said I'm an asshole. It's I said that was my fault. Why is that blue? Why is having 12 sessions a bad thing? Because I feel like we should have more by this point. Oh. <laughs> We've been going for longer than a year, so in theory, we should be have we should have more than 12. Yeah, like at least 13. We skipped April because we had the get-together in April. Mm-hmm. But does that include the, the backstory session, so the one that didn't include Matt? That includes the backstory session. Okay. We skip July because TJ's an asshole. So there you go. There it is. See? There you go. So we can blame TJ. We can blame Matt for not showing up that one time. We can blame Brian for showing up for the fun weekend. Well, so actually, I mean, then we, this would be the 11th session if we don't mm-hmm. count the backstory one. But right. But that was because Matt had to fly the last second. It wasn't like it was, right. it was yeah. obviously planned that we were going to play. So, okay, okay, so I was it's here TJ's and fault, was like, Brian's surprise. fault, Matt's bosses. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Steve, we're, we're blame-free. Woohoo! <laughs> what we're going to do is a little different. I'm going to do the recap. I'm going to do a recap from the beginning. Again, oh, you, oh, okay. So this is guys. when you this is when he highlights important information. It's like when you watch Supernatural and it says last time, and yeah. they highlight things that you this know like, are going to happen in this, this episode. This is the beginning in the beginning in the new season one where it's like in the beginning. No, it's more. Well, no, it's you got You have to do it based on Supernatural where they play rock music and they yeah. always play "Carry On My Wayward Son." But yeah. like, okay, okay. song is awesome. Oh, get the rock music going. Here we go. Or I'm, I'm going to break out Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> no, no, play, um, no, don't play that one. Play the safety <laughs> dance. <laughs> we can dance if we want to. We can leave the world behind. <laughs> but if your friends don't dance. However, the, I'm doing the recap, <laughs> but if you feel like there's an important something that I'm glossing over or forgetting, I'm going off of my timeline, which is just basically a, a very condensed version of stuff. So... Feel free to interject at any point if there's a thing that you think is a big deal, especially if it's something pertaining to your specific character. Okay? Done and done. Um, and I'm going to try and actually give you the days as well, because it's our, <laughs> we started on July 5th and it is currently July 11th. And we, we, we let loose beholders to take over a city in less than a week. Think of what we could do if we had a year. This place will be just a smoldering pile of crap. Yep. So, so kind of like what happened after the uh, Sandy, right? Yes. Right. Only that was more soggy pile of crap. So, okay, whatever. <laughs> so, July fifth, you guys watched Leo get abducted. Um, the detectives came. They said, "Wait, he was abduct- abducted by the." The weird guys glasses with the glasses. Oh. Guys with the glasses in a van. You called the police. They came. They did a little detective work, and then obviously well, they didn't call. Yeah, they, they did. They did a little bit. They got a call and said, "Okay, we're all leaving. This investigation is over." Vanessa found Leo's IQ and key. key. Same thing in the bushes. Um, you guys also got contacted by Thomas Holton, who said, "Meet me at the Lionhead Tavern." tonight and we could talk about this um, issue that things are going uninvestigated you guys followed uh, Leo's key to Samuel Kina and had the little hobo fight 
Uh, <laughs> no, so wait a minute. In canon, it's now a hobo fight. I just yeah. want to be clear. You, despite <laughs> your protests for so long, it is clearly a hobo fight. Yes. Only because that is a good memory trigger to know what happened. He told you that Leo contacted him about some information that he got. He was an information broker. He posed as a journalist, and Eric Resch gave him a data cube, um, thinking he was going public with this information. Samuel told you also that the data cube was empty, and he didn't understand what the big deal was, but Leo, for some reason, wanted it, and yeah, then he got abducted. I thought it wasn't empty. It was almost empty. Well, he, it was. He thought it was empty. He thought it was empty. There, was, he said there was. Because it, it wasn't very heavy. He <laughs> seemed like there was information on it, but whenever he accessed it, there was nothing he could get out. Like it, he, basically, it would be like if you put a thumb drive in your computer and it said, "Oh, you know, you only have half the space available, but there were no files there." Okay. Got it. Later that evening, you went and met. Thomas Holden at the bar. He explained to you about stuff that was happening that was disturbing him. He told you about this information facility where he thought you might get some information about where Leo might be and um, that he would arrange it so at 11 p.m. that evening you could go through it and try and get the information for yourself. Um, upon leaving the bar, you guys were followed and <laughs> you failed a skill challenge and Thomas came and saved you. Wait, wait, do we get every time noted whenever we fail a skill challenge? No. Damn! It'll be really, it would be astonishing it's a skill how many times we fail. Except for the one time that we won. I'd like to interject that I won that skill shut challenge. Up. <laughs> shut up! Shut <laughs> up! You've also never even failed on one of these checks. TJ and I are just I think like I did. loads of failure. No, I up until I think the most recent one, you've never failed on a skill check ro- series of rolls. Mm-hmm. You are the man... We are clearly inferior scum. Anyway, the the point of that skill challenge was that if you had won, Thomas wouldn't have died. But anyway. Yeah. But then we wouldn't have used the wood chipper, so. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a win. Oh, we're not that part yet, Matt. So later on, you went through the, at 11 o'clock, you went to the information facility. The guy let you in. You went through it. Uh, and there are traps and guns and things shooting at you, nets. You went around, went up some stories, and Vanessa eventually got some information out of the computer before you guys basically destroyed the building, leaving. There was a fiasco of a chase through Central Park. Hey, the building and- was like that when we found it. <laughs> that was my memory as well. And you eventually escaped and got back to Crop Squares with your information that was uh, the image information, if you remember, and you didn't know what it was at the time. Early in the morning on July 6th, you got back to Crop Squares. You found Thomas Holton dead in Vanessa's apartment, I believe, and you took him to the wood chipper. <laughs> you Sorry. rolled him up at a carpet or something and took him out. Yep. You had an uneventful day. That was a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> Sal, after wood chipping, Thomas had dinner with his family. Uh, <laughs> late Sunday night, Russ cracked the code on the image and found the series of coordinates. <laughs> the first one was the pier. It had a timestamp with it of the next day uh, in the evening. The second one was a blockhouse in Central Park, and the third was Maplewood Nursing Home. As far as the uh, metagame goes, I would like it to be added to the record that TJ almost figured it out, but for whatever reason, his computer was not rendering the data file properly. <laughs> Early in the morning on July 7th, then, Russ, Vanessa, and Sal go to the pier, uh, basically just to reconnoiter, and Vanessa talks with one of the guards. After that, you guys went to Eric Resch's apartment and found him being abducted. You had a firefight in broad daylight with some... Which is where we should have gone in the first place. We didn't know that. You... After the agents drove away, taking their wounded and Eric, uh, you went up to his apartment and found Lydia, bloody, almost dead, in the tub, and you abducted her. Sell to the rescue. (laughs) You didn't abduct her. Any unconscious woman, you know, that sells territory. Uh, uh, 
naked and unconscious. <laughs> um, here's one thing that I couldn't remember, though. Did you guys take her to the hospital and get her fixed no. up, or well, did you no. just take her to the crop squares and try and do it yourself? We definitely I'm pretty sure it was a do-it-yourself. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're, with Sal, things are very hands-on. <laughs> so you took her to the to crop squares, fixed her up so she was not immediately in peril. Vanessa stayed with her. Well, later on in the night, Russ and Sal went to the pier and found a yacht pulled up, and people started unloading small, about foot cube square or foot cubed crates, and then a small speedboat pulled up with some guys in strange sunglasses who they immediately got in a firefight with the other guys. Um, Russ and Sal decided to shoot everyone, and uh, in the Aftermath, one of the agents blew a hole in the side of the yacht. It started sinking. Sal jumped on, found the crates of brains, and punched one open. And for some reason, you guys decided to take a handcart full of brains with you in your trunk. You don't let good brains go to waste. That's that's how we get smarter, right? (laughs) We had a plus five creative brains. Just like Highlander. The morning on July 8th, you guys went to the morgue with the brains. Couldn't talk your way past the... Here's another failed skill challenge. You couldn't talk your way past... It was an implied failed skill challenge. (laughs) Past the front desk. So you went around to the loading dock and talked to the guy there and learned the name Max Reisdorf from the dock worker. He was the... Basically, the head guy at the morgue who the brains were supposed to go to. He then left, dumped the remaining brains in the dumpster, and went back to Crop Squares. They we should have brought them They weren't good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we should have uh, kept them as zombie bait. <laughs> That's that Act 2. Uh, so that was in the morning on July 8th. In the afternoon, you went to the blockhouse in Central Park and investigated there. Um, there was evidence of a fight that had already happened. Russ kills the injured mind flayer. You also had a fight with some troglodytes and kobolds. Then some agents came. You had a fight with them. You saw an unidentified man, just the back of him leaving the, uh, uh out sort of a secret passage out the back of the blockhouse, uh, that ended up out a little waterfall in Central Park. Then the same day you drove from the blockhouse to Maplewood Nursing Home, got stonewalled there. You set up a visit in two weeks. I hope they'll still keep our appointment. Well, yeah, say, thanks for reminding me. So, <laughs> I'll put it in my day planner. <laughs> so your, your appointment is for July 22nd, apparently. You go back to Crop Squares. You find Lydia awake. Uh, she's fixed one of the Gauss pistols for you. She has to be included, gives you the garage location, and that is also the time that Vanessa got the note from the Order of the Golden Dawn telling you all to knock it off. Uh, July 9th, Vanessa did some research on the Order of the Golden Dawn. Russ sets up his Blues Brothers zombie diversion mass flash mob, and you went Seriously, to... Seriously, one of the best things ever. You... Find the coordinates for a different dock out of the vans that are in the garage. You have a fight with a couple agents there. Later on, you discussed plans for going to the dock, and you drive there in the evening. You're intercepted by a squid head guy who tells you about North Brother Island. July 10th, you left early in the morning to on a rented fishing boat to the island. Uh, you explored the island, found the building where it seemed like It was a little bit in better repair than the rest of the island. You initially went down and found the cells with a couple dead people. Eric and Leo were both there, as well as a strange madman who you left chained up. Uh, Leo Leo and Vanessa have some kind of mental connection, and Leo dies. You killed a guard who came in the cell area by surprise. You explored the rest of the upper building as mostly empty facility. You con- confront Dell Conagher and oh, he had a last name. He did have a last name. He was going to be a running bad guy until you murderized him. Well, I only punched. What him. What were we supposed to do? 
Well, he no, I mean it was just the the I think the last shot Sal hit him for was like a critical or something. Yeah, it was like twenty five damage or something. Yeah, and it, so. so he went from oh mostly okay to dead instead of having a chance to actually run away. But that's fine. <laughs> His brother. Oh. What? His, His brother, brother. Gateway Conagher. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray, we all did the same joke. <laughs> so he, before he died, I mean, he turned into, you had a, a, a successful skill challenge and then he disabled oh, the shield thing. You, he turned into a crazy one-eyed beholder monster and before he died, the door behind, the door opened behind him. And you see this garden with a strange, fleshy, black tree, which was an overseer. You fight with the tree and a gals. Sal and Russ both almost die and are knocked unconscious. Vanessa saves them by using her demon bag. <laughs> oh, I didn't mention the unconscious illithid that Sal almost destroyed in his attempts to help her. Uh-huh. <laughs> so after the Vanessa heals... Everyone, you tried to escape with the unconscious illicit and Lydia and Eric, who you met uh, back by the door. You're intercepted by a helicopter and taken mask style into the illicit base. Then. Well, I guess let's back up a second. You never mentioned anything about Leo. In, I mean, at least in terms of the story. Yeah, did. I said Leo and Vanessa had a strange mental encounter and after which Leo died. Oh, 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 I, sorry. I blanked. You were, now it's between July 10th and 11th because you went overnight. You are taken to a room and left there. The injured Illithid and Eric Rush are taken away on stretchers. This is the last session now. Vanessa changes to Leo and heals a bunch of people. Sal has an encounter with Van Gressler, learns more about his ability to talk to Illithids. Russ has massive deja vu the entire time. You're essentially recruited to find a rogue illithid named Zelitharid, who we now currently think is in Montauk somewhere. Both Sal and Vanessa are asked by the illithids if they'd like to be implanted. Uh, Vanessa in particular because she has, quote, two minds and it would be interesting. So Vanessa thinks she might be pregnant or perhaps Russ gave her that idea. And we ended. You guys went to the... You got slapped in the face. You... Uh, you did? You did get slapped in the face by Vanessa. I did? Yeah. <laughs> it's totally within character. I just didn't realize that I did it. <laughs> <laughs> you met Courtney, who is... I'll give you a, a better description. But, um, See that weird picture that you sent us? No. Oh. Uh, if you remember, she's... So she's mostly human-looking. She's about 5'10", Asian features, um, but her head and... What you can see of her head and down the back of her neck and her spine has a crest of uh, dorsal fin, kind of like a bluegill. It's spiny and flexible, can be extended or pushed back. You know that because we tried to, ex- like, bend it and push it back? You tried to take the hook out of her mouth? <laughs> <laughs> we tried to throw on her back. The problem was she swallowed the hook, so, you know, <laughs> it was just doing more harm than good. Yeah, <laughs> uh, fishing humor. <laughs> So she's the one who's going to be accompanying you, and we ended at the point where you guys are essentially all ready to get in the helicopter again and be flown out to Montauk, and she's going with you. Does anyone have anything they'd like to add to the recap before we move on? So Sal's super psionic ability that he's C-3PO, and he knows the programming language of binary conductors. Right. does anyone have anything Moisture. good to add? No. Okay. Now, since I did the entire recap, you guys all get to do something. So, everyone in the order of TJ, Steve, Matt will do a character description update. And I want it to contain the following things. You do a name, basic physical description, general demeanor, likes, dislikes, and I want to know your evolved goals and objectives with regards to what's happened, as well as your state of mind regarding recent events. Okay? You're going to have to can you send us those uh, written out, the sure. individual things you want? There they are. Because <clears throat> I had the same thought. <laughs> there you go. I couldn't send you it in. Right, so the demean is demeanor and likes. Oh, I, I thought demean was TJ's a hunger crap. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought when we got to the one, two, three, four, 
five, we were just supposed to go, go! <laughs> so, TJ, you're up first. Okay, so, oh, crap. You um, actually have to have your sheet probably open to do this. I, I have my sheet. It's all printed out from last time. One of the things I was actually surprised about and that is I thought that Sal was much more physically imposing than I think he actually is. And I thought that dogs laid eggs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no. go ahead, DJ. The whole thing with Sal is that he was like the little guy who got pissed off at everyone for being – like he has a Napoleon complex. Or at least he did when he was younger. Little man's disease. Wow. That makes sense because his dad is big. He is? Yep. Says Paul. Says Paul. Excellent. I scattered out your parents for the side adventure. Ah, very good. Okay, so. Timely death. <laughs> Sal's full name is Salvestro Gian Gileazzo, um, which is why people just call him Sal. Otherwise, uh-huh. that would be dumb. <laughs> His name is Francisco, but everyone calls him Johnny. He is middle-aged. He is on the shorter side and is not fat, but tends towards, you know, a just a well-built frame. Uh, his general demeanor uh, towards strangers is surly, usually with a uh, with a hint. Towards uh, un unjustified rage from time to time. Surely <laughs> doesn't look out for nobody but Surly. But uh, but, but sorry, Surly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, and that was supposed to be more of his general character overall. But I've been playing that down a little bit because uh-huh. uh, around his family and close friends, he's sort of the uh, tough guy who is incredibly endearing to those people. Because they've earned his trust, kind of deal, and he's also learned to mellow out more when since he became a parent. Um, he didn't. Vanessa would slap him around a bit. Yeah, or he would slap her around, but um, you wish. <laughs> like uh, Sal likes women, and uh, no, I believe I believe the term was big cans. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Specifically that, but, you know, women in general. And to a certain extent, he likes fighting and uh, certainly likes his family and especially his daughter. And uh, he just likes assholes and people that he thinks are assholes, which aren't even assholes all the time. And he also doesn't like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> even with bacon? His evolved goals uh, and objectives. Well, Sal... I don't know if this was made clear, but these, during- to be more clear, these can be in-game goals as well as sort of meta-game goals that you have for your character. Like, I oh. want to eventually multi-class into something. Well, yeah, I, don't, I don't have the meta-game goals, but I was going to say, um, in Sal's backstory, the, the time that he spent in Thailand um, and went on benders and stuff, th- th- like there were clearly times when he got lost in the woods. And something helped him, and it wasn't like he was talking to animals and like, oh, look, this snake is going to help me, and instead it ate me. But it was, it was like something clearly helped him and like took care of him and made sure he got turned around and sent back into town. And I think at this point, Sal's beginning to wonder if some of these, you know, these evolved people that are having the, you know, the grafts or the implants or whatever, or the uh, illithids. If maybe that was the kind of people or things that he was running into when he was there. And so in order to find out more, he wants to sort of see this through a little bit more clearly why he can communicate with the illithids. But this is all sort of an ends to a mean because if he understands those things, he can better protect his family and specifically his daughter. And that is basically the prime goal in everything is... Um, taking care of Izzy and making sure she's safe, which I haven't been doing a great job of playing, but I've sort of been doing it all as some of Sal's friends are in danger, then it's possible that Sal be in danger, and so eliminating the danger is the best way to protect her. Um, and then state of mind regarding the recent events, I, 
I just kind of covered that. You yeah. Know, I think that he finally, he feels like he had a breakthrough, like understanding what happened to him in the past and wants to use this opportunity to understand it better so that he can understand whether, you know, how far he has to take all of what's going on before he can feel like he and his family are safe. Okay. Sounds good. Steve? Vanessa Faraday. The physical description would be uh, she's 5'6", 140 pounds, brown hair, brown eyes, generally paler skin. She's 36 years old, um, probably looks pretty good, but doesn't, you know, much work at it. Just kind of is naturally attractive, but up until recently, she's very much downplayed her looks. Recently, the only reason I always say recently because she doesn't care right now. You know, like she was actively maybe trying to downplay her looks and now that, you know, things are just, she's probably been wearing the same clothes for, you know, lat, you know, longer chunks of time than normal and whatnot. Uh, but I always kind of have a picture in my head of a non-Hispanic Eva Longoria. So. I thought it was Amanda Pete. It's changed. Okay. I think Amanda Pete is a, uh, is, is, is a good option as well, but I think the turn, Evil and Gory is just what comes to my mind now. Okay. So, with glasses. General demeanor, likes, dislikes. Um, I think she's just, uh, kind of your standard woman who may, who, who owns her own business. So she's in mean, the business aspect of her. Looks like she can take charge and doesn't really have a problem with, I don't know, those, uh, leadership kind of roles. She's very much, but that kind of, emphasizes a more feminist perspective in her thinking, but that's also accentuated by the fact that Sal is such a chauvinist that it, you know, <laughs> she's constantly having to tell him, like, stop being a douche. Uh, she is just, I think, generally quick to listen, generally slower to speak. In the past, especially, she she gained a lot of, or she felt like she, she could only basically lead from the back or would was kind of letting others take the lead and or take like that that out front initiative, but that's changed, especially recently. She feels like she needs to be doing that sort of thing. Likes books. She's uh, if I could sum up her, the rest of her personality, it would be totally a hundred percent the guy from Ancient Aliens, Giorgio. So. Kalos, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. T S O U K L O S. Uh, I didn't find out about this guy until after I made the Vanessa character. And so I didn't play it up in the earlier stages, but I'm going to play it up even more, uh, now that I'm aware of this person and <laughs> his beliefs because her, her beliefs are that, you know, Aliens have constantly been in contact with human beings throughout the entire history of time, and they've shaped us and whatnot, and every conspiracy can be rolled into aliens and aliens impacting us. So that is what I'm going to, I'm going to be playing that up a little bit more now that I, like, I've seen enough ancient aliens and, and laughed enough at it to know. Uh, evolved goals and objectives with regards to the campaign. Well, I, I don't know if she had goals initially because I just feel like she was living life. She was happy. Then she lost Leo. The goal was to get Leo back. Now Leo's dead. Um, I think the big, the biggest goal, I mean, for her, the dropping the bombshell that there are two presences perceived in her is a big deal. And so I think until she finds out that she's not pregnant, uh, I think that discovery of Leo will probably be an unintentional goal. Obviously, she doesn't know consciously that it's a goal, but I think it that was what it will become. But I think beyond that, the kind of metagaming, I'm going to take her down the the psychic road. Uh, or I forget exactly which one we said we were going to do, Paul. Be I it. I think you just, de- de- what is it, devoted or, uh, oh, and I forget what it's called. The cleric one? The cleric one. Yeah. Uh, Acolyte. 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 Yeah. Anyway, so that's where I'm going down. It'll just, it'll still be a manifestation of 
psychic powers, but that's, I think, where it's going to come from. Her deep-seated belief that the aliens have had something to do with this, and now with all that she's learned from the Illithids, and if she believes it to be true, she still believes that the Illithids, despite what they say, are aliens or have been influenced like they themselves were brought here by aliens and that, you know, it's all still feeds into the fact that it's aliens have shaped everything. And so it's her steadfast belief that that's the truth was where the, the kind of the power will come from. And I think it's a taking the psychic abilities higher because Leo was supposed to be our psychic guy and or healer guy. And now that he's, of course, dead, I, I felt like it was a, it was important that someone still filled that role, but it felt natural with Vanessa just because of, like, Leo will be inside of her, even if unintentionally guiding her towards probably more of it. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think the only, only other goal is to, you know, try to, I mean, I, I think she feels slightly like it, like, somewhat responsible for what happened regarding the beholders right now and will do what she can to help. But then after that, I don't know. I feel like she'd have no problem just going back to her old life and trying to live like she was before. Obviously that will be dependent on what the group does, but state of mind. Well, right now she's wigging out. Because of the whole possibility of being pregnant. And so having to kind of wrestle with that. But in general, like I said, I think she just feels like they have a responsive, you know, a responsibility to help and that they are partially responsible. Not that they caused it. I mean, she doesn't feel like, I mean, they didn't know anything. They were just basically defending themselves. And if that, this is what happened, this is what happened. She's kind of pragmatic about it, but. Yeah, so, I mean, she's going to try to help where she can and take more, kind of more an initiative. I'm planning on being more combative. Like, I'm going to be shooting more, whereas when we first started, I was very much in the in the background. I'm going to be trying to get it in there and start trying to shoot at people, albeit poorly. And, uh, yeah, and then develop the the skills in the terms of the the psychic stuff to be able to actually have a bigger impact, hopefully. Okay. Cool. All right. So I am Russet Burbank Barrow. Yes, I'm named after Potato, uh, which is kind of in my likes and dislikes. That you know, I because of the potato farm with our family was obviously given me opportunities and forged my life. So there's some of it that's likes, and then some of the events that happened because of the potato farm when the the uh, crop shortage has started up. You know, there's obviously some pain and dislikes you know, associated with it as well. But uh, the physical description, uh, I've always kind of pictured him as in another life he would have been kind of one of those, you know, rock star drinking, like, X-game motorcycle kind of guys. They're kind of wiry, but definitely kind of they have some muscle to him. And... uh you know, definitely kind of a thrill seeker, or, you know, whatever like that. But because of everything that happened, you know, didn't really go down that path. Ended up kind of having to figure out other things. So definitely still has a, you know, you know, likes uh, motorcycles and vehicles and stuff like that. But also, you know, filling with guns since they had to kind of defend the farm that he grew up on. And uh, I don't know, general demeanor. I don't know, probably say. Usually pretty calm, except for when, you know, there's, there's definitely, the game is afoot, then it's kind of, uh, maybe a little bit, a little bit more frantic sometimes, but evolved goals would be, <laughs> I think we're definitely sticking with kind of the, the gunslinger path, and, um, you know, kind of with the objectives, I think we're kind of falling into, you came to New York trying to get away from, you know, kind of the survival, only kind of stuff that was going on back in Idaho for him. Tried to, you know, go to school and maybe, you know, make something more of himself. But I think with all the events that have happened this past week with him, it's, that's kind of the last thing on his mind. It's, he's kind of fallen back into a adrenaline fueled survival mode kind of thing. 
So that's that's what's pushing him most is just survival and you know keeping everyone around him safe if he can. And I think you know the you know losing Leo, it's going to sink in at some point. But <laughs> I don't from, have time from, to bleed. From from a meta game standpoint, since we never really met Leo, it's a little <laughs> hard. <laughs> so um, true. But kind of you know just the. Having, you know, goals kind of in front of us right now, you know, you know, we're trying to survive this, but, you know, keeping busy with, you know, hey, there's this, you know, illithid that we're supposed to be going to try to help or find or, you know, whatever that it's kind of like, okay, whatever, that's my goal. I'm going to stick to that, get that done. And then the next thing, then the next thing, then the next thing. If we get to a point where there's not another next thing, you know, I could very, you know, seriously see it kind of being like, hey, you know, I've kind of run the, you know, New York is just, isn't what I was looking for. I mean, look at all this crap that went down. Yeah, he may hit the, hit the road or he may stay, I don't know, so. Okay. Uh, but I think, yeah, state of mind with the recent events is, uh, I think in the back of his mind is freaked the hell out. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's kind of the, he's falling back on his, you know, just kind of, you know, get, get the next step done, do the next thing, you know, keep going, you know, if we, if we stop and if we curl up and you know start crying about it, it's, it's going to be it. You know, so I think that's probably mostly what where Russ is at at this point. Cool. Which, uh, yeah, picking up more guns and more explosives and <laughs> yeah, it's it's falling back on that. So we're going to hold through something and keep going. Sounds good. So we will pick up then uh, from the helicopter. You guys basically. Um, you're, you get in the helicopter, Courtney gets in with you, there's a pilot, and Courtney starts handing out, uh, just basically like, I know you guys all, or some of you, got your own equipment, but we just want to make sure we're all ready for what's coming, so, um, she hands you each a, it's not a full, large, like, frame hiking backpack, but it's bigger than, like, a book bag, um, it's a black backpack, and... It has some various things in it, um, basically a survival pack. So you've got a like rope, very lightweight, uh, high strength rope. You all should have a like a Leatherman style multi-purpose tool. You have a very small single person tent. Uh, the backpack itself has uh, like a incorporated camelback uh, water container that. It also has filtration with it. Um, you have a week's worth of dehydrated food, small mess kit, a very small sleeping bag, a small hatchet on the side of it. You also have, and she ex- it goes over this with you because it she says this might be important. Uh, this will help if we encounter any beholders that have the ability to release their, uh, what do you call it, when a mushroom Spores. spores. Spores, yes. Uh, release their spores and we need you to be safe from those because it could compromise you. It's a small breather, basically, about the size of just the face mask part of a scuba diving apparatus. Like just that part that you put in your mouth, essentially. Um, it will allow you to breathe underwater and it filters toxins from the air like a gas mask as long as you only breathe through your mouth. And it runs with cartridges. So you each have two cartridges. Each cartridge gives you two hours of continuous use. After that, you know, if you, it, it will steadily degrade. Okay. Okay. She also says we have identified some specific things for each of you that might help out. Uh, first for Russ, she hands you a mostly flexible pair of black bracers. They each have a a small, like, a ring that goes around your index finger that trails back to the bracer, like, over the top of your hand. Okay. And she, these are, each bracer has essentially thousands of micro gyros in it. Uh, when they sense that you're pulling the trigger on your weapon, the gyros fire up and stabilize your hands. Oh, sweet. Stabilize your arms. Uh, so these are essentially equivalent to bracers of archery. They'll give you plus one for any, uh, ranged, uh, you know, when you're 
essentially plus one to all your range firing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, wow. The two. Oh, there's the next one. To Lydia, she hands what looks like a windbreaker. Um, it's actually flexible armor. That's it's just a really stylish windbreaker. <laughs> uh, it says Columbia on it. <laughs> it looks like a regular windbreaker. It's it's really lightweight, um, but it does give her some added defense. It breaks the wind for you. <laughs> uh, terrible. To TJ, to Sal, she hands just a single bracer. There's a switch on the inside of the bracer. If you, if she taps it once and part of the bracer sort of rotates out on the top and the bottom to a circle. So it's like a flexible extension of the bracer about the size of a small round shield and a, essentially a force field ignites within that field. So this is a small, this is equivalent to a small shield when you deploy it. Um, cool. So this, well, this will give how you... Big, how big does it get? Is like basically a small Captain shield. Captain America? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because that's actually what um, they made a cartoon called something like The New Avengers or something, or Next Avengers. Uh, it's a cartoon where... It's in a future where all the Avengers, all the Avengers that we know have had kids, and those kids all have superpowers. Lame premise, but the the movie is actually one of the better straight to DVD animation ones. And the Captain America guy, it was you know future, so he just had he didn't actually have a real shield. He had the one that just popped up whenever he wanted it to. Yeah, that's this is actually if the the thing that inspired this basically you can imagine is. You know the robot that Fox has on the football games? And yeah. <laughs> it runs up and at certain points it like runs up with his shoulder to the screen and this shield like drops out of its shoulder pad and extends. That's what this is kind of. That's where the came from. It's like a small tower shield that pops out. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this would, this is circular, but that it's a move action to deploy it, TJ, to activate it or retract it. Uh, but it'll give you plus one AC when it's out. Okay. Um, to Vanessa, she takes out a pair of goggles. <laughs> goggles. Uh, Why are you laughing? Because they do nothing. So she hands you these goggles, and she's like, these will tie into your key, and they'll tie into... A number of other keys. Uh, these are tactical goggles. So we get in a situation that allow you to essentially see a better version of multiple viewpoints at once. Uh, it takes a little bit to get used to it. You, you might only, you know, if you try and do too many viewpoints at once, it might make you sick the first time. Uh, so I suggest just doing, you know, three or so to start with. And as you get familiar with it, you know, your control over it might get better to the point where you can do more things, but it will allow you to actually see and hear through multiple point of views and from people you're connected with, as well as monitor their health and everything going on with them. Um, right now, Steve, this gives you the ability to, uh, in combat, uh, you can use the aid another action, even when you're not directly engaged in melee with, like, so if, you can be just within, well, you can be almost anywhere connected to, say, Sal. And normally to use aid another, you'd actually have to be engaged in melee with his target. This allows you to use the aid another as your action uh, instead of it rather than at range, basically. Cool. Uh, and like I said, there are, you might find that it does other stuff as you get more skillful with it. So... That was our loot distribution. She's basically basically handing these things out as you guys are flying. Uh, the, if you recall, it was 10 p.m. when you started. The intention was to go out at night so the helicopter would be hopefully less visible. And if you're watching out the window, you see that the helicopter is swinging actually out more towards uh, open water 
rather than flying over land, which it could do, just up Long Island to Montauk, but uh, it's flying out over the water, and you're pretty sure it's because they're trying to avoid being spotted. Okay? So when you say over water, like we're staying in, I guess that's the Hudson River? Well, you, you've come out um, on the west side of Manhattan Island, where you went in. Right. Uh, then it flies down the Hudson, out the mouth of the Hudson, and like out over the Atlantic along the... So we're going south to go north. You're paralleling the the southern shore of Long Island. Right. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Um, I've done it before. We'll are it. there are there lights still on in the city? Yeah. Um, right. Actually, everyone can roll a spot check. This would be interesting. Actually, true story. I had uh, the flight attendant ask me one time what lake that was off our wing, flying around there. <laughs> And we're like, uh, you mean the Atlantic Ocean? She's like, oh. It would have been better if she had said, no, no, no. I'm talking about the lake. <laughs> yeah. Hooray, the it. night has started. Did you did all the one? No, I rolled a two. Oh. So my total is four. <laughs> it's double. Sounds just in gross playing with his shield. Shield on, shield off. Shield on, shield off. Fifteen. Seventeen. Russ actually notices uh, and points it out to Vanessa initially that the <laughs> there's a large smoking crater that looks essentially it's it's way more damaged than the surrounding city and it happens to be Russ recognizes apparently Russ has the best direction since he also knew you guys were under Columbia but he recognizes it was the former site of the Maplewood nursing home oh nice I guess we won't be keeping our appointment (laughs) no that just means security will be much more relaxed (laughs) more what we're used to smoking crater and Um, crawling over things I'll, I'll ask what happened over there I'll point to the crater. Courtney pauses in her, you know, expl- explanation of the contents of your equipment bag and uh, says, well, that was one of our facilities. Uh, that's where the beholders attacked. That's uh, what happened to all the people that were injured. All the people that were injured were from there? At well, a fake nursing home? The people that were injured were the people who were there. The people who were there are essentially dead, but the, the people who were injured were our response, trying to fend them off. Oh. And we did so, but as you can see, it wasn't without cost. Hmm. So. And then I'll continue, I'll go back to continuing to listen. Okay. So, she goes through and explains everything and blah blah blah. Hands out your gear. You guys are flying out over the ocean. Eventually you swing back in to, um, the end of Long Island, you swing back into Montauk, um, very close to the very tip of the island. Um, there, there are essentially no lights that you can really readily see out here. You are aware just because you know the area you live here that, you know, some people still live on Montauk, but, uh, you know, it's, it was sparsely populated to begin with, and now it's just, I mean, there are you know, a couple random people out here farming on their own and living an entirely, you know, self-sufficient life, but uh, most everyone has left the area. So the helicopter lands. It stays running. And, you know, Cordy motions, opens the door. You guys all get out, and the helicopter takes off and leaves. After it leaves, she explains, you know, once we find Zellertherid, we can uh, call to have them come pick us up again. And whereabouts did we land? Sorry. Essentially, as far east as you can get on Montauk. Are we like, are we like on Camp Hero? Um, like where Twenty Seven ends. Yeah, there's like a parking lot there. Uh, there's a sidewalk uh, yep. in there too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Uh, so you landed out there. There's basically you. This is why you guys have this gear. Is you're going to be essentially camping the entire time you're out here, or squatting, you know, whatever you want to call it. But 
Vanessa is more of a squatter than a camper. <laughs> but that's also because she's a woman. So, Courtney says, you know, we're essentially, unless you guys can think of a, a, a faster way to speed this up, we're going to be moving west from here and just trying to find any trace of Zalotharid. We want to try and stay for the water if he's out here. But other than that, you know, just keep your eyes open. We're going to do this part a little differently. It's going to be a skill challenge. Damn it. And we'll leave it right there for this week. Thanks for listening to the LTM Gaming Podcast. You can find us online at ltmgaming.com, on Twitter at ltmgaming, or reach us via email at podcast at ltmgaming.com. We love to hear your thoughts and questions. As always, we do appreciate any five-star ratings you'd like to leave on iTunes. Tune in next week for the next installment of The Crushing Depths.